Hi, welcome to this subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. That was me trying to do like the PlayStation intro. <laughs> yeah, I was really wondering what that was. Matt. I don't know how well it worked out, but I'm gonna say middling. Eh, fine, I'll take it. Welcome to Movie Fighters, everybody. This is the show where I, Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims we watch movies and beat them up. And we're watching a movie to kick off 2019 that I actually suggested because I'm rather fascinated by it. This is the 2018 Tomb Raider movie. Technically the third Tomb Raider movie. Which I feel like maybe did not get a fair shake. I would tend to agree with you based on what I heard when this movie was out. Because I will say, I quite like the video games this is based on. This is this is based on the 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 new like Tomb Raider twenty fourteen. Yes, I version I, of Lara Croft. I had nothing for the original Tomb Raider games. I I did not have a PlayStation when PlayStations were new. Mm-hmm. I opted for the Nintendo 64. Same. And, and, buddy, I think you and I are very similar in that if we had a system, that was the system we had. Yeah. I mean, I would eventually get a a, a PS1. But that, would, would, that wouldn't be till like, 1999. I wouldn't get something that played original PlayStation games until I had a PlayStation 2. And so I got to go back and play Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII and all of that kind of stuff. But I tried to play the original Tomb Raider games, and I found them slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That tracks. That there's, tracks. There's not a lot going on in those games. It is the source of my favorite video game lie. Uh, I A couple years ago, back when I was still on the bad website, I asked people to tell me lies that they had been told about video games by other children when they were children. Sure. And there were some very, very good ones, but I think my favorite was the guy who said that in the original Tomb Raider, Lara Croft would get naked if you, quote, K 
kept treating her nice. <laughs> and he would never elaborate on what that meant. There were widely shared fake codes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for like nude Laura Croft. But the thing is, the graphics in those original Tomb Raider games are so primitive. Yeah, I can I can pretty much picture like a like a peach colored dodecahedron myself. <laughs> yeah. I don't need Eidos Interactive to help me out with that. With a couple of red dots, yeah. Like it's so weird to me that people were so obsessive about that. Cause buddy, those graphics, they were like PlayStation One graphics. Yeah. They were quite literally PS1 graphics. That's a that's a reference to an in-joke between me and Ben Gully. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> when we used to go to a bowling alley every weekend in college, and there was this one game that we would we would say the same things about the games in the arcade every time we went through. And of course we would it always because it was a bit. It was a bit. And uh there was this snowboarding game that we would always say, look at those graphics. Those are like PlayStation One graphics. Anywho the the Original Tomb Raider games did nothing for me. I have not. I've only played one of the newer Tomb Raider games, but I like I've, them. I've played the first one. I have yet to play the second one. There are three now. There's there's a third one. Yeah, there's three. There's Tomb Raider. Hang on. Yeah, there's Tomb Raider 2014. There's Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh huh. And I can't oh, remember Shadow the of the Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider that came out like last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I I enjoy those games greatly. I I like that design for Lara Croft. I like kind of the origin story of that character now. It's a very clear difference between you know, the mid to late 90s and the mid to late teens. Yeah, the of the type of character Lara Croft is. Yeah, the the thing that I said when uh, Tomb Raider 2014 came out, was that the, the the games do not let you forget that Lara Croft is an attractive young lady. Like, don't don't worry. It don't don't you know put on your trilby and make a YouTube video about it if that's your concern. Sure, but also that she is no longer maybe defined by that. Also, the games have a weird fixation for, like, quite literally torturing her, so maybe it's good that she's not defined by sex appeal while she's getting impaled with rebar. The the death animations in the new Tomb Raider games are really quite visceral. They are something. I remember, I think there was a Conan O'Brien, you know, there's Conan O'Brien playing video game segments? Mm-hmm. There was one where he was playing one of the newish Tomb Raider games, and he was flipping out about the death animations, which, fair. So there's also the Tomb Raider movies. And the the first two Tomb Raider movies, starring Angelina Jolie, with Chris Berry as her butler, were very much in the vein of the original Tomb Raider games. They're almost campy, you know? I mean, look, we could watch The Cradle of Life right now. It is on HBO also, much like this new Tomb Raider movie is. Mm-hmm. I've seen the first one. It's it's pretty goofy. It's not bad, but it's not a great movie either. 
What I find fascinating about this new Tomb Raider movie is how everything I read about it in the lead-up to its release was almost entirely about one poster, which does have some dubious anatomy. Ooh, I don't, I don't recall. Should I, should I Google this real quick? Yeah, Google up that uh, Tomb Raider poster neck, and I think you'll find it. So the dubious anatomy is not about, you know, huge breasts. It's about Alicia Vikander, who plays Laura Croft in the new movie. Oh yeah, that's a weird looking neck. Having a gooseneck that is too long and doesn't bend in the way that human necks bend. That's it's. I think it's just weird because her hair is covering it. That's also possible. I mean, a, a lot of people said it was just it was one of those weird movie poster tricks to get boobs and butt in the same photo, mm-hmm. which seems probably maybe true. I think it's a weird way from a shot behind her to see her face. Mm-hmm. Either way, it is unreal. And I think the entire view of the movie got colored by that one poster. Cause it's all I saw anybody say about it. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I don't know how this movie is. It might be a real stinker. Yeah, it's I got never a rating anything about it either. Yeah. It's got a rating of 6.3 on IMDb, which isn't terrible. It's Metascore on Metacritic is 48. Which is not good. But it's got great actors in it. I know that much. Yeah, I quite liked... uh, My experience with Alicia Vikander is Man From U.N.C.L.E., a movie that I really, really loved. Like, Aiden saw it while I was out of town, and she was like, when you come home, we are watching this movie again. And she's very, very good in it. Man From U.N.C.L.E. is very good. Probably her breakout role and the role she's best known for is Ex Machina, which mm, she is yeah. utterly fantastic in. Is she the is she the robot? She's the robot. Wow. Okay, I didn't realize she was. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's, she's really good in that. Utterly fantastic in that movie. She's in some other recent movies that I'm not familiar with, like uh, the Danish Girl. But do you want to hear something bizarre? Yes, please tell me something bizarre. According to the Amazon.com product details of uh, Tomb Raider 2018, uh, Alicia Vikander is listed with the supporting actors. So this is Tomb Raider starring Nick Frost, which is a movie I would watch. Sure, I would too. Uh, Nick Frost is pretty low in the listing of actors on IMDb. The other top billed actors, however, are Dominic West. Mm Mm-hmm who played McNulty on The Wire, who also has had some hammy roles in movies. Mm -hmm. He was the bad guy in 300. He was uh, Jigsaw. No, not Xerxes. The bad, the, like, the Greek guy who betrays the queen for money. He's that guy. He was Jigsaw in uh, that Punisher movie with Jigsaw in it. Oh, you mean, you mean Jigsaw? Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dominic West has a a checkered track record uh, in uh-huh. in film, but uh, in The Wire, he's great. Daniel Wu, who 
you probably will recognize from a number of other films is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great actress, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, is in here. And the actor I'm most excited to see is Walton Goggins. You do. You are a man. And I know this about you, Matt. You're a man who loves Walton Goggins. He's great in everything, man. He's uh, always here's my good. Impression of Matt Wilson. I love Walton Goggins. Yeah, Guilty. Guilty as charged. He's always great. I would say the highlight of G.I. Joe retaliation. I can't disagree. Choice in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's wasted in that movie, to be quite honest. He, they, I, mean, I thought he was pretty fun. He's fun, but there's not nearly enough of him. What Marvel villain would you cast Walton Goggins as? Ooh. Man, that is a toughie. Give me some time to think about that. Okay. When we come back. Yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it and try to come up with an answer when we get back. I I I love Walton Goggins in uh The Shield. I love Walton Goggins in Justified. He's great in a number of movies, and I hope he is used well in this Terminator movie. Um based on the reception that it got, I don't know how it's going to go. Um According, it's half and half on Rotten Tomatoes. Fifty-one uh, percent positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so who knows how it's going to turn out? Worth noting, the director of this movie, whose name is Roar Uthog. That's his name, Roar Uthog. Uh, is Norwegian and has mostly directed Norwegian films until this one. Okay. This is the first movie of his that I have heard of. Can't really make a judgment on that. Chris, do you, anything else we want to cover before we, we dive into the movie? I'm I'm ready. Because right. here's the thing, this movie is an hour and 57 minutes long. So It is nearly two hours we long. Gotta, we got to roll in. Our, speaking of Ben Gully, as we were a few minutes ago... He saw. He told me he saw that Nutcracker movie that came out, and he said it was fine, but also it was 97 minutes long, and that was refreshing. And folks, let's make some 90-minute movies again. Yeah, bring back the 90-minute movie. Before we get into this two-hour movie, Chris, it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting, however. It's time for Snack Situation. Chris, what are you snacking on for Tomb Raider? Thank you for uh, thank you for introducing the segment, Snackbot. I would like to hear about your foods. A couple of years ago, my wife and I we came to your house. We spent a, we spent a lovely Halloween with you and Marlene. Listeners may remember that as when we encountered the ghost of Halloween was two days ago. That's right. At one point, I was like hungry, and you're like, "Hey, if you want a snack, just grab some Doritos out of the kitchen." And I was like, "Oh my god." I'm an adult. I can just buy Doritos whenever I want. I, I that was a real turning point for you. You bring up that uh, that moment uh, on the reg. Yeah, because it was it was a watershed because it's it was opportunity, but it was danger. So I try not to have Doritos around, but I got some Doritos around today. Yeah. So as we're watching this movie, I might uh things might get flavor blasted in here. Things might get a little nacho cheesier. Are they are they nacho cheesier Doritos? 
They are nacho cheesier. I prefer the nacho cheesier to the cooler ranch. I enjoy a cool ranch, I must say. Unsurprising. That's very Matt Wilson. You know, Chris, if if there are two types of people in the world, uh-huh. they're nacho cheesier and they're a cooler ranch. Yeah. You're a nacho there cheesier. Is a, I'm a cooler ranch. There's a small majority or a small minority of like jacked people. Or like and those people can go to hell. Or like the original taco Doritos with the hat. Yeah, those people can just F right off. That's what I say. What about spicy nacho Doritos? I'll take those. Why? I'll take Why those. would you do you like those? Yeah, they're not bad. Chris, I am not actually snacking as we're watching. Okay. Because I just had what you might call a late lunch or brunch. Mm-hmm. And I would not call it brunch. It's two forty eight in the afternoon. It could be brunch. It's definitely not. Brunch goes till three. Brunch is at 11. At restaurants, brunch can go until three. That's okay. You're you're living your life poorly, but do go on. (laughs) Anyway, you may recall if you listen to Gordy's on Warrock and Ajax (laughs) Uh that I talked about how I make French toast different now. And I made some of that hollow French toast, my dude. Ah. I made some of that hollow French toast. I had some Swaggerty's sausage, which is the only store-bought sausage I like. And I had a good meal. Swag, so swag, swag, swag. I'm all set. For watching Tomb Raider. If you would like to watch Tomb Raider along with us, it is available now. On HBO, whatever HBO streaming app you may have, if you have one, HBO Go, HBO Now, I'm watching it through HBO on Hulu. So you may have some options if you have access to HBO. I think it's also available to rent on Amazon and so on and so forth, but um, it is available now on HBO. We are going to take a break to watch the movie. You are going to hear an ad and a musical interlude. And then we will be back to talk about 2018's Tomb Raider. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection, for you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. And we are back. From watching Tomb Raider. That's how you say it, right? <laughs> that is that is the English words that you were attempting to say. Nailed it. Tomb Raider. M-dub. Well, Matt, I have my pick for which Marvel villain Walton Goggins should play. Hit me. Swarm. 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 I think I have mine, too. While I... Raylan, you do not seem to understand the difficulties of being made of bees. The leader. Oh, that would be pretty good, actually. Samuel, Samuel Stearns. Stearns. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. He already exists in the MCU, though. Who plays Samuel Stearns in, in the MCU currently? Well, I mean, like, we haven't seen the leader since, like, 2008. Yeah. Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, right. Yeah. Which wasn't a terrible choice, but if I was going to blank slate cast Walton Goggins as a Marvel villain, I think it would be the leader. I think I think Swarm is the way to go. Okay. What do you guys think? Let us know. Yeah. Hashtag Walton Goggins MCU. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll do some Wago. We'll do some Wago Masayuboka. Hey, uh, can you tell we're trying to avoid talking about this movie? I don't want to be mean to it. Is the thing, but it is about forty-five minutes too long. Certainly, half an hour too long, at at the very least. Um, and bad. It's quite bad. I think it's a step above bad. I think it's middling, but for a movie that's trying to do what this one is doing, that's bad. This film offers literally nothing that we have not seen before. Other than like Alicia Vikander in an action role, which she is quite good at. I'd like that's, that's the thing. Everyone's good in this. Walton Goggins is good. Uh, Alicia Vikander is very good. Like I like Alicia Vikander's Lara Croft quite a bit. I think it works very well. Top build actor star Nick Frost <laughs> is good in his two scenes. five minutes. Yeah, three minutes maybe. Maybe three um, minutes. But it is a bad film. I would rather watch Mortal Engines again, which is the dumbest movie I've seen in a while, and also the best bad movie I've seen in a while, than the five seconds of this film. Well, I think we can blow through the plot of this pretty fast if we're going to recount the plot. Yeah. Because the first half hour is almost unnecessary. It is 38 minutes until, like, we marked it. 38 minutes and 37 seconds is when Lara Croft is where the movie should have begun. Well, the first half hour is a lot of exposition that could have been sprinkled throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that stuff even gets repeated. Because we Mm -hmm. learn about a Japanese empress named Himiko, who was known as the Queen of Death, Mm -hmm. who could cause death and destruction with the touch of her hand. Laura's dad, Sir Richard, or Lord Richard Croft, is trying to prevent her from being released into the world. He's looking for her so he can protect the world from her. We find that out. And he goes off on a journey to try to find her. And is presumed dead. Now, for the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie... We don't know anything about Lara's background, so it seems like she is a struggling bike delivery woman. She, yeah, she she does Grubhub on a bike. She does Grubhub on a bike. She's a postmate, exactly. And uh, she's like training in an MMA gym, 
she does there's a wholly unnecessary bike race sequence that's referred to as a fox hunt that only the only reason that happens at all is so she can get arrested so that this woman anna who is played by Kristen scott thomas can show up at the police station and say you know you need to stop living the life you're living come into the company that your dad owns and sign these papers to say that he's dead yeah, so that, by the way, if you're wondering where we've seen that before, that's the opening of the movie Stick It, written and directed by Jessica Benninger, who also wrote Bring It On, but Stick It's the one about gymnastics. It's the exact opening. It's also, we we observed this by the end of the movie, it's very Batman Begins. It's extremely Batman Begins. It's, it's if Batman Begins was an Indiana Jones movie, that is exactly what this movie would be. Like, who's the evil businessman who is trying to have, make Wayne Enterprises do bad things in the Dark Knight movies? Uh, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Isn't it like Rutger Hauer? Uh, no, Rut- Rutger Hauer's a gangster, I think. It's been a while since I've seen Batman Begins. There's, I swear to God. No, there, there is a guy. Yeah. There's a guy. Who's like trying to take over Wayne Enterprises from the inside? Yeah, and make it who, do bad shit. Who is that? Um, is that in that's in Batman Begins though, right? That is in that is in Batman Begins. Yeah, maybe Spoil- it is Rucker Hauer. No, it's not Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer is a gangster in that movie. Okay, so I'm sure people will let us know uh, because we're people who don't know a thing on a podcast. Yeah, stop shouting at your phone right now. It, no, it's Rutger Hauer. It is Rutger Hauer. It, is Rutger Hauer the guy? He's the guy. The, he's not the guy that that Lucius Fox is like, oh, but at the end of the movie, he's like, fuck you. No, <laughs> like, it's him. It's Rutger Hauer. I thought, okay. I mean, I knew Rutger Hauer was in it, but okay. Tom Wilkinson is Carmine Falcone. Yeah, maybe I had those two confused. I mean, I knew, I remember, Fal- anyway. It's him. Falcone, it's Rutger Hauer. As he's called in that film. Anyway. All oh, right, Falcone, Falcone. So it it is a straight up Batman Begins situation where spoiler alert, we find out at the end of the movie that Anna is essentially trying to get Laura to sign away her rights to the company. Yes. Sign away her dad's rights to the company and then just say, "Hi Anna, you do everything." Which is what exactly what she does at the end of the movie. Also in that meeting Laura gets a bunch of her dad's stuff, including a puzzle box. Including a puzzle box? Which she quickly solves. It's a puzzle box. Yeah, which she quickly solves and finds a key inside of. So Neil Neil Gaiman just came in here and did that impression of Alicia Vikander. I apologize, everybody. Yeah. Um, She finds a key in there and a riddle, essentially, that leads her to her family's mausoleum where she finds the empty it, apparently the entire mausoleum is empty but certainly the empty grave of her dad where she presses a button in the first letter of his name a keyhole emerges from that and she puts the key in there turns it opens up a big secret room full of all of her dad's work now chris her dad's name is lord richard croft Mm-hmm. But it's what if we found out 
in the Tomb Raider sequel that his name actually turned out to be Nathan Drake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that that makes Richard Croft is an anagram for Nathan Drake because so that would track. I was astonished by the uncharted of it all in this movie. To be fair, the game it's based on is a very post-Uncharted, that style of game. Like, set-piece heavy, do some action, solve a puzzle, do a set-piece, do some action, solve a puzzle, do a set-piece. It's, it's very, very much in that vein. But, what but is, yes, what is, it is full Uncharted bullshit. What is striking is how Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider games, are a different mix of those ingredients. You know? Uncharted is a lot more puzzle solving. And this movie had puzzles that instantly struck me as Uncharted puzzles. Yeah, the puzzles are... The puzzles are video gamey in a way that, like, seeing actual people doing them, you're like... This is silly. <laughs> yeah, where who would put this in a real room? Yeah, why is why is this here? And, who and are they, what are they trying to accomplish with this? I mean, that's that's a big question for the whole movie. What is anyone trying to accomplish? At one point, we get to a puzzle. There's a room that they're trying to get through. Spoiler warning: in Himiko's tomb. Yeah. Uh, and the whole deal is like somebody steps on the wrong floor tile and the room seals off and the floor drops, but there's a way to stop it that you had to know a little poem to do. And it's like, what? Why did they? Why did they build it so you could stop it? They're trying to keep this death queen entombed. But that is a big part of the Uncharted of it, I think, because mm-hmm. a huge part of solving puzzles in Uncharted is to look back at the journals that Nathan has, Mm -hmm. whoever's journals he may be carrying in that particular game, and look at their notes as a means, as clues to solve the puzzle. That happens throughout this movie. Yeah. And that room of Laura's dad's that she opens up is full of those journals, those puzzle clues, all of that stuff. She has his uh, his Grail diary. Yeah, because it's pretty much just uh, Indiana Jones at that point. Yeah, it's it's very uncharted. But once she finally finds all this stuff, and she finds the only map that apparently exists to Kamiko's tomb, she heads to Hong Kong to hire a ship captain named Lu Ren. Well, first she pawns a piece of jewelry that her dad gave her. To famous movie star top-billed Nick Frost. Yes. Then she goes to Hong Kong. She finds this guy, Lou Ren. There's another pretty unnecessary sequence where some street toughs, even though they're not on the street, they're at the the marina. They're dock toughs. They're dock toughs. Uh, steal her bag. She has to like run them down. And do a quick time event <laughs> to to uh, to stop them. Another very uncharted kind of sequence. 
But once she finds Lou Ren, she's like, I want to hire you to take me to this island where uh, Himiko's tomb is. It takes some convincing, but eventually Lou Ren says, okay. Then Lou Ren immediately falls in love with her. Certainly he develops an immediate, intense devotion to her. Yeah. Like, Like, by the time they get to the island, he would die for her. Yeah, but it's not really romantic. There's not really any hint of, like, a romance subplot in this. But it's very much like, like, in the the cut between Hong Kong and Death Island, they're, like, old buddies. I mean, I guess... There's something to be said. Okay, so they get shipwrecked. There's a part where Lou Ren tells her, she's like out on the ship looking at the sky. The water is nice. And she's saying, this is beautiful, basically. And Lou Ren is like, well, appreciate it now because we're about to hit the roughest sea between here and and California. And so then they hit that rough part of the sea, and the ship crashes into rocks multiple times and is totally destroyed. Maybe that's where they bond when the when the ship is is crushed. Maybe. Whatever the case, by the time they get to the island, Yamatai, he is totally devoted to her. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the chasteness of their relationship. It's like it's it's weirder. I wonder if it's like if they were like we're gonna have a hard time pulling bros into this this movie about you know lady lady action hero Lara Croft. We better not even have any romance in it. It it feels even weirder to me if he's just not like they're both DTF, you know. Well, we we better not like it. Better we better base their relationship entirely on like Rambo and Colonel Troutman. <laughs> that is very much what it feels like. You gotta go back, Laura. You gotta go back. So Laura gets knocked unconscious and wakes up in the tent on Yamatai of. Uh, a fella by the name of Matthias Vogel, who works for an organization known as Trinity. Matt, it is amazing that you remember his character's name, because while we were watching this, we only referred to him as Walton Goggins. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. <laughs> but Matthias works for an organization called Trinity. We don't learn a ton about Trinity, but long story short, it's basically the Umbrella Corporation. He's kind of like Albert Wesker. Now, Matt, you know I don't play the Resident Evil games because they're too scary for me. Yeah. Having like having to like rotate and only step forward or backwards is very frightening. I have a phobia of it. Well, uh, ever since Resident Evil 4, the games have not played like that, so. Yeah, well, I mean. Is he, anyway, point being, is he the dude <laughs> with sunglasses? He's the dude sunglasses? with sunglasses, yes. Okay. That's, that's, that's slick back. Let's slip back sunglasses, man. That's Wesker. Okay. He is... Well, okay, Albert Wesker is more involved in the leadership of the Umbrella Corporation than Vogel is. Vogel is straight up just an employee. 
he is just trying to do his job and get the fuck off of this island. Also, he's apparently been on that island for like 10 years. Yeah, he's losing his mind. Yeah. Because the scene where he meets Laura is like, Hello, Laura. Laura Croft, I knew your dad. You know, I have daughters just like you. Young, pretty. I'm sorry, rude. Why, Laura Croft, I knew your daddy. <laughs> Raylan, I knew your daddy. Why, Raylan, are you here to help me find the tomb of Himiko? Raylan, remember when me and you were working down in the tomb? Raylan, there's so many skellies in that tomb. We were mining for skellies. <laughs> yeah, so he... He's a bad guy because he's Walton Goggins. <laughs> yeah, and he he talks about how he has daughters. He realizes he's being rude. He hasn't really talked to anybody in a long time, even though a lot of people are there who work for him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole speech where he says, the only person I ever talk to is on the other end of this phone, and he picks up a satellite phone. And he says... And all they ever say is the same thing, which is – I can't remember what the line is. It's, it's you're staying on that island until you find me my death queen. Yeah, but basically, like, have you got the queen yet? Have you got Himiko yet? The thing is, that is definitely not the only person he talks to. He has, like, dozens of employees <laughs> slash slaves. Yeah. It's very island. difficult to figure out where they come from. I don't know where the employees come from. I guess they just also work for Trinity. For the Umbrella Corporation. It is explained where the slaves come from. They're shipwrecked. They either shipwrecked or went to smugglers to try to, like, I don't know, get away from the heat. Mm -hmm. And instead of being taken somewhere safe, they got taken here. Yes. Uh, Lou Wren explains that after he's been on the island for like two hours. Very true. Very but true. He's, he's been totally ingrained into this work environment. Like he has made one of the slaves immediately and learns everything about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, and he also says, hey, I killed your dad. Even though that's a lie. That's He didn't. I don't know why he says this. <laughs> it's very weird. It's very weird. Because like, you would feel like he wouldn't say that to someone he's trying to get to help him out. Well, the thing is, he's already got the Grail journal. Yeah. Laura's dad's Grail journal. And so he just sends Laura out of the tent for her to go work as part of the slave force, too. Mm-hmm. But... Then he comes out of the tent immediately after that and says, hey, we're moving camp because I know where the entrance to the tomb is now. Right. So off they go. Move the whole camp to another part of the island. Yes, because it turns out that Nathan Drake Sr. has been leaving false clues to make them dig in the wrong place. That is all that is ever said about that, and I am intensely curious about those mechanics. Like he just like, he like goes up to a rock and, so, and says, "Kimiko is here." Yeah, we because we, we all know what happens when you don't take back one Kadan 
to honor the Hebrew god whose ark this is. That you got to dig in the wrong place. But th- this dude's like, I've been misdirecting them for how long is it supposed to have been? It's supposed to be like okay, the the girl playing teenage Lara is credited as playing fourteen year old Lara when Richard Croft leaves. Yeah, and, and Alicia Vikander. We should talk about these flashbacks. Yeah. Because Laura is supposed to be, what, late 20s? Well, Alicia Vikander was 29. So her dad would have been gone for 15 years. Yeah, let's say but late I don't 20. know if Laura is supposed to be 29. I think she's supposed to be, like, earlier mid-20s. Okay. Let's, let's say she's supposed to be, like, 27, right? So this would have been, like, early to mid-2000s in these flashbacks. It looks like it's the fucking 40s. It's like how in the pilot episode of The Flash, there's a flashback to 2004, and it's sepia-toned. Yeah, these flashbacks are also sepia-toned. Yeah. To the early 2000s. Yeah, um, movies are bad, is the thing. Yeah. Anyway, after they move the camp, Lara and Luren try to escape. Luren is not successful. Lara is, but only because she tries to cross a rickety bridge and <laughs> falls off into roaring rapids. It's not even a rickety bridge. It's a tree that has fallen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's running across a tree and like falls and smacks her face into the tree. And then she just goes falling right into the, the rapids. Then there's a long action sequence where she's in the rapids. There's like the skeleton of an old plane in there. She gets onto the plane. She has to do a video game set piece sequence where she jumps off the wing of the plane into the body of the plane. Then the plane falls down, crashes into the woods, and then she has to get out of there and like roll out into the woods. And by that point, she's got like a big hunk of metal stabbed into her her gut. Yeah, which does happen in the game, and I was kind of surprised that they went with that. And also, like, in the game, she gets stabbed through basically the kidney, and then is fine for the rest of the film. Same. Same for the rest of the movie. Like, there's no real indication that this stab wound has had much of an effect on her (laughs) through the rest of the movie. But once she pulls out the thing that stabbed her, she is immediately attacked by... What you might say is Walton Goggins' best lieutenant. And then, Chris, Laura finally gets the first O in her double O. <laughs> she, she does kill a man. Because she drowns that dude in about two inches of water. Hey, Matt? Yeah? Considerably. Was the second... Easier than the first? Considerably. Considerably. I fucking love that shit. Casino Royale still rules. It's very 2007. It's very good. It's about Texas Hold'em and flip phones. Turns out, a bearded guy watched Laura just get her first kill. Mm -hmm. That's her dad. Yeah, and... He like he sees her, he's like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Just ignore her. She'll go away. She always does. So... Clearly, he has gone mad, but he's fixed right up in the next scene. He's fine for the rest of the movie. 
I really expected him to be like, hey, you killed a guy. <laughs> He's okay with it. Laura? I haven't seen you since you were 14. You're like, you're like a completely different person. Also, you killed a guy. You're a murderer now. Probably the what? wildest thing. The wildest thing about both the Uncharted games and Tomb Raider are how Nathan Drake and Lara Croft are mass murderers. <laughs> Just hey. killing so many dudes. A thing that I genuinely love about Tomb Raider 2014 is that the first time Laura kills someone, it's such a big deal. It's yeah. it's huge thing. It's like you have to like really work for it. And then halfway through the game you get a fucking rocket launcher and you're like, yeah, fuck all of you. It's like after the first one. Yeah. Is it, it easier? Considerably. Yeah, it's like you're addicted to yeah. to death after that. Um, by the way, this movie spends a lot of time in that first half hour establishing that Lara Croft is really good at biking, like bicycling, that never comes back. Not a bit. They also establish that she's okay at MMA, which does come back, and I think is a very bold choice. Yeah, at the very end of the movie, you said, Lara has lost every fist fight that she's gotten yeah, into. She loses every fight she's in, which I kind of, like... I said this movie is bad. I do kind of love that. It gives her a very Raymond Chandler-ish quality. Well, and it's very very much in the spirit of the video games. Yeah, modern Lara Croft is a character who just gets the shit kicked out of her all time. Yeah. And and then just perseveres and keeps on raiding them tombs. But yeah, she loses every fight she's in, which is kind of fun. And I observed this at one point in the movie. As far as like the character makeup of the movie goes Mm -hmm. in that first half hour, which is fairly inconsequential to the plot. There are a number of other women like when Laura's at the MMA gym, the woman she's fighting against is another woman. Also, there's like a kind of friend slash coach Mm -hmm. who is a woman. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas is obviously a woman in the movie. But once this hits the po- the point where she's on the ship, no other women show up. Z- zero ladies. Zero ladies on this island. None. Lara is the only woman on this island. Well, well except except Himiko. <laughs> she's the only living woman on this island. But by the way, Father Croft, Daddy. Um, is a million percent convinced that Himiko is a magic death queen who is going to come back to life and, and murder the world. Just keep that in mind. After Lara finds her dad and convinces him that she's not a an illusion. They have not- the exact conversation that Sean Connery has with Harrison Ford in Last Crusade about how he didn't want her, he, he wanted her to destroy the uh, his notes about Himiko, not bring it to the Nazis, slash Walton's Gogginses. She proves that she's not a figment of his imagination by putting her filthy fingers to her mouth <laughs> and then doing the sign that they do to show that they love each other. 
that's not a way to prove that someone's not imagining you. It's not like his imagination didn't know that they did that. But it convinces him. He is extremely convinced. Uh, And in addition to getting mad at her for not destroying his notes, he also tends to her stab wound in her stomach. They go off to try to stop Walton Goggins now that Richard knows that they know where the tomb is. Have we mentioned that that this that this tomb uh is is a speck that doesn't appear on any map? I said that that Laura found the only map that the the island is on, yeah. Yeah, we do we do have satellites now. We do have satellites now. Google Google World, Google Earth exists. Like I'm looking, I'm on Google Maps right now, and I'm looking at a very small island. Maybe that's where Kimiko is. I mean, there or is Kim- no name on it or anything, but it's a very small island. Kimiko, have we been calling her Kimiko? You've been calling her Kimiko. I didn't want to stop and correct you because I respect you, Matt. Well, you should you should have corrected me on that one, buddy. Long story short, Richard goes to the tomb and gets captured by Walton Goggins. Mm-hmm. Laura shows up with her bow and arrow that she took from her dad's cave, where he had some very new-looking arrows and a bow. Uh, I'm currently, by the way, just just I'm currently looking at this cool-ass snake-shaped island that is like two miles long. So. I feel like people could have found Himiko's tomb. That sounds like a place with treasure. Yeah, we should go there. A snake-shaped island? Matt, I, I'm going to see if I can send this to you. It is straight up a snake-shaped island off the coast of Hong Kong. You're going to see this and you're going to be like, yeah, that's like the Cobra logo. If there's any place on Earth that definitely has treasure, it's that island. Here, let me let me just let me, let me shoot this to you, buddy. And you can... uh. You can see this. It's got fangs, Matt. And there's no name here on Google, so I'm guessing it's just called, like, Fang Island. Let's see. Let's take a look at this island. Snake Island. As this is opening, I'll say that there's a standoff between Walton Goggins and Laura. Laura finally ends up backing down and saying that she'll open the tomb for him. This, this island is pretty rad, by the way. Yeah. Put it in the show notes so people can see this rad-ass island that we're going to go to. Yeah, it doesn't have a name on here. It doesn't have a name, and it's shaped like a snake with fangs! It's got to be called something. Cobra Island? It also looks like it's eating another tiny little island. It does! We should make up some riddles about this place. I mean, it kind of looks like Pac-Man Island, to be quite honest. It's more snaky than Pac-Man-y. Okay. Anyway. Also, there's two other islands that are like like maybe 10 miles away, so those, are, those could be like level 1 and level 2, and then you get to Snake Island. <laughs> anyway, uh, they go in the tomb. There are a number of death traps. They're not super clever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a big pit of skeletons that they cross using a ladder. <laughs> it looks 
it looks like everybody got to like the edge of this like was walking through the temple and just wasn't looking and fell down into like a 20 foot pit and died and there's like hundreds of bodies in there there's no like there's not even any skeletons anywhere else so it looks like something's been cleaning up and just putting all the death trap victims in this one place i mean I took it to be, like, these are all of Himiko's victims. Maybe? I mean, that kind of makes sense? But it's, you know, it's it's just a big pit of skeletons. They only cro- so they cross that, they cross that using a ladder. Then there's a room with, Very like, a Very plate. Link. Yeah, with a plate on the floor, and somebody accidentally steps on that plate and spikes come out of the ground. Here's a thing that I genuinely do appreciate is that all of the like trap tiles are very clearly marked and everyone in the movie is just a huge dumbass. Yeah. They're like the, the trap tiles in a dark souls game where <laughs> you should definitely see it, mm-hmm. but you're going to step on it and then, Bolts are going to come out of the wall and shoot you three times and kill you. Yeah. Then they go to a room with another plate in the floor. They step on that. It gets sealed off. The floor starts falling out from under them. And Lara has to solve a puzzle with these little colored statuettes. And she has to put the right colored statuettes in a little slot in the door. This is the most video gamey, silly bullshit in the entire movie. She has to remember a poem about how Himiko, the queen of death, brings night to the day and must die to bring to bring back life or something to that effect. Yes. And Lara goes, the color of life. Green! Yeah, so if you put the the yellow and the blue little little pieces of translucent statues in there. It makes green, and it is not explained how there is like a green. So like it's really stupid. It's phenomenally stupid, Matt. That causes the door to open, and finally they make their way into the room where Himiko's tomb is. Mm-hmm. Again. The scene goes on for a little too long, but the long and short of it is they open the tomb, start to remove her body from the tomb, Himiko's body, and one of the weird employee soldier guys starts, like his skin starts turning pallid and also black. I I would say it gets itchy tasty, Matt. Yeah. We could call it that. Mm-hmm. Turns out Himiko was not a malevolent queen at all. She was the carrier of a plague. Like a zombie plague? Mm-hmm. And her touch made people turn into, like, fast modern zombies. So she sealed herself away in this tomb. The dude turns into a weird zombie monster, and Walton Goggins shoots him. Then Walton Goggins, realizing that if he touches this body, he will also get the plague, 
takes a pair of pliers, cuts off Hamiko's finger, and puts it in a plastic bag. Then he puts that plastic bag in his pocket. He 100% does not attempt to use gloves. And he doesn't... I don't know how he knows that he has not infected the pliers, so he can never touch those again. Mm -hmm. Nor how can he know that he hasn't touched, uh, or how a plastic bag can keep him from getting the plague. There's no testing done on this plague. Like, he's making a lot of assumptions. Very true. Very true. Yet, he does not, he does not get the plague at this point. Lara gets chased off by another soldier guy, and has to kill him with yet another trap in the tomb. (laughs) This one involves stepping on plates in the ground, and these big, like, spiked columns coming down from the sky. Yeah. She ends up killing the guy's guy with one of the spiked columns. That's her second O in her double O. She keeps... Oh, no, no, her second O was that guy she shot in the kidneys. Oh, yeah. With her bow. Did which he she die? died instantly. <laughs> and I kind of wish he would have been like, Ow! <laughs> Meanwhile, Richard and Walton Goggins are involved in a shootout. Inside the tomb. Inside, you know, the tomb chamber. The tomb that they are raiding. Walt Goggins eventually runs out of bullets and just gets the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Richard gets the plague somehow, and I'm not really super sure how he does. Oh, get Matt, the did you did you forget that the guy who, who oh, got yes. the plague came back to life as a zombie? Like a full-on zombie? It was a different guy. No, it was the first guy, the guy that got shot. I think it was a different guy. It was not a different guy. They I, both I, touched I, the both of those guys touched the body earlier. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He comes <laughs> he comes back to life. It really doesn't. He comes back to life and grabs Richard. That's right. And so Richard gets the plague. Laura ends up coming back to Richard. He says, "I'm done for. I have the plague." Even though he's only affected on his arm, they could have cut off his arm. Yeah, but I mean, let him let him go. <laughs> he was very tired at this point. It's true. He says, "All right, uh, hey Lara, you're with ten of me. Don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Just uh, go stop Vogel. Save the world. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna t- get rid of Himiko's body." So he sets up a huge bomb and ends up blowing up the whole sarcophagus and everything around it. Lara picks up her axe tool that she uses throughout the games, but only appears in this movie for a couple of minutes. She keeps picking it up and then like putting it down. Like she picks it up and, and stabs a guy in the neck with it and then like drops it and then like comes back and it's like, Oh, I should probably keep that. And then she picks it up again. Then she, she's running and she throws it down so that she can like go do the fight from the season finale of Xena warrior princess with, uh, with Walton Goggins season one. Yeah, she gets into a big fight with Walton Goggins right by the big pit of skeletons. And she actually ends up losing that fist fight. But then she punches him in the throat 
when he's like reaching for her axe that she threw on the ground. <laughs> then she takes the finger in the bag out of his pocket, shoves it into his mouth, and punches that so that he gets the plague and falls into the pit of Skelly's. She like kicks him in there. Yeah, she shoves. It's, it's so gross. It's like the grossest thing that happens in the movie. It's a real shock that she doesn't get the plague doing this. TBQH, but well, she, she only better touches that plastic. She better uh, wash that boot. That's all I gotta say. So then she runs out of the exploding tomb. The mountain, like basically fucking totally caves in on her but she manages to get far enough out that Lou Ren finds her they have a very unsexy reunion where he's just really happy to see her then she heads back to London finally does sign the papers to accept her inheritance then she hands over the day-to-day operations of Croft Holdings, her dad's company, mm-hmm. to Kristen Scott Thomas. As Kristen Scott Thomas is walking out of the office, she realizes that she's working for Trinity. She's been working for Trinity the whole time. Yes. Because, because one she of- looks at this list of corporate holdings yeah. briefly and happens to turn it to the exact page that like the Abstergo logo was on. Finally, she ends up going back to her dad's headquarters base of operations and looks at a map of everywhere that Trinity has a foothold and decides she's got to go after Trinity. The end. Except for a quick little post-credit scene where she gets the necklace back. I want to talk about this post-credit scene when we get to final thoughts. I have some final thoughts. All right, Chris, what were the high points of Tomb Raider 2018? Like I said, the, the the cast is generally pretty good, like, given what they have to work with. Alicia Vikander is very good. I think she's very appealing in the role. Um, I think she does a really good job of kind of selling the, the you know, the, the game stuff. Like, you know, she gets beat up. She loses a lot of fights. She has to, like, really struggle to win. That's probably the best part of the movie. Uh, but yeah, like... Cast-wise, there's really good stuff here. Yeah, I think Walton Goggins is quite good in this. Has he had better roles? Certainly. But with what he's given, he does a great job. Alicia Vikander, in spite of not really sounding English, like she does not get the English accent down, does a good job. She's she's a very believable Lara Croft. I think Dominic West does a good job as her dad. I think Daniel Wu as Lou Ren is good in a fairly limited role. He has nothing to work with, and he, he does a does a very good job. He he his character turns on a dime from being an alcoholic ship captain who doesn't care about anybody to being platonically in love with Lara Croft. Are we supposed to think that like there's that scene where like she she takes off her boot and she pulls out like the five thousand dollars or whatever and gives it to him and then that scene ends with him going, "What's in your other boot?" Like 
do they fuck after that? Is that is that what we're like? Is he a foot guy? That, it would be wild if this was a movie and it was just casually throwing foot fetishes at us. Maybe he's a foot guy. She took off her boot and he was like, "Whoa!" Is Roar Growler the Norwegian Quentin Tarantino? I guess is the question. <laughs> you mean Roar Uthog? I feel like I was close enough, but thank you. Sure. Uh, Another high point of the movie for me is there are some enjoyable set-piece action sequences. Yes. The thing with the airplane is good. The thing with the airplane looks fake as hell, but okay. It looks looks fake as hell, but it's it's good enough. You know? And, And representative of the kind of action from the games... Some of the traps in the tomb are fairly – they're not super clever, but I think the action is shot well. If the movie would have gone maybe a little – like committed to that bit a little more and gone like really over the top with it to make it clear that like, yeah, these are crazy video game puzzles – not necessarily like being like, oh, look at this, isn't this stupid? But like being like, yeah, they made a bunch of puzzles. It's really weird. <laughs> I think the action in the movie is, when it happens, is well done. Yeah, I, I would say that. I also appreciate some of the the visuals as far as like the island is appropriately creepy. I like the stuff about you know, Walton Goggins and his team like blowing up the rocks and stuff. Like visually it is a very well done movie. But I think that's all I got for high points. Chris, what are our low points for Tomb Raider? It's an extremely boring movie. The action sequences that are in here are good. But Everything around them is like almost tedious. It's yeah. like we spent a long time trying to figure out what Walton Goggins wanted or what Trinity wanted at the very least. Like, I can appreciate that Walton Goggins' character just wanted to get the fuck off that island, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Trinity, what Trinity wants with this body infested with a zombie disease <laughs> beats me unless they are straight up the umbrella corporation yeah i mean that's that's what it seems for sure like at one point larkoff's dad goes you can't take that body out of here it it'll be genocide and walton gong is like eh. <laughs> which well and he's not like, like He's not like, eh, he's just like, don't you just want to go home? Which I actually kind of like. I like that until he was suddenly like, I, I fucking hate you, Larkoff, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, like, he just does not care about the about genocide, which I feel like maybe, yikes. He's been on the island for a long time. Mm, that's true. The video game puzzle stuff is outright silly. Super goofy. And 
Lara Croft does not feel like Lara Croft until at least an hour into into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like she's not wearing the the outfit until an hour in. Like Lara Croft in London looks like Jessica Jones. Yes, in terms of what she wears. Yeah. Also, the stuff about the business stuff is not very interesting. No, not at all. There's a totally unnecessary bike chase sequence at the beginning. Yeah, that's, like, I don't know what we get out of that, other than, like, oh, Lara Croft is quite competent, which, like, we could get out of the rest of the movie. Right. It It's only a way for her to get arrested. Which... Kristen Scott Thomas could just, like, come find her and say, hey, sign these papers. Yeah, we don't need any of it. We don't need any of it. Any other low points? No, it's just a very boring movie. Chris, what are our final thoughts about Tomb Raider? Okay, so our final... The, the final scene, it's not a post-credit scene, but it's a post-logo scene, because this movie ends with a smash cut to the Tomb Raider logo, and then it cuts back for this. She goes back to Nick Frost's pawn shop, and there is a massive case of custom handguns. And he's like, oh yeah, I sell these. And we both at the same time said, aren't they in London? <laughs> and it's not like they were hidden. No, they're you like could just see, there. You could see the guns from the counter easily. And so she starts eyeing this gun and Nick Frost's girlfriend question mark why is like ooh, let me show you these guns and then they do like a bit at the end where she's like holding up this like super huge custom gun and she goes i'll take two which i hated because it's actually a really really good bit in the game because you get like a pistol early on and then the game goes on long enough and you kind of switch back and forth between weapons long enough that you don't really it kind of leaves your mind that, you know, pre-crisis Lara Croft has the two guns until the very end of the game where she grabs the second gun and then you basically get a quick time event where you shoot a guy 20 times. Uh, it, was a, it was a weird thing where it was like, hey, you thought this was Lara Croft from the new games because of the bow and arrows and the axe that we had in the movie for five minutes? Uh-huh. But th- maybe this is old Lara Croft. I kind of wish she had looked and there had been like a blue tank top and short shorts in there. And yeah. she'd been like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and a, a massive push-up bra. <laughs> yes. And also two guns and a backpack. Yeah. Here's my final thoughts about this movie. It is less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it really is. Because... The influences on this are so obvious. Clearly, Indiana Jones, specifically the Last Crusade. There's a lot of Last Crusade, like even the, the like we didn't really get into specifics, but a lot of the traps are like in the Latin alphabet. Jehovah begins with an I. Traps. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Batman Begins in this movie. Mm-hmm. A ton. There's a lot of Uncharted. And. I understand fully that the new Tomb Raider games borrowed 
from Uncharted themselves. But there's stuff in this movie that's just straight up Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. And by virtue – oh, and there's, there is some Raiders of the Lost Ark also. Like the bad guys open the thing that they've been trying to get for the whole movie, and then it turns out to be bad for them. Mm-hmm. The fact that those influences are so obvious is reductive for this movie. It doesn't feel like its own thing, which is a shame because this so easily could be an action movie series starring a woman. Because Alicia Vikander is great. She could do this. Yeah. If they make a second movie, Lord help me get rid of the boring parts and have a decent script that makes this its own thing. Yeah. Just give me like a 90 minute action movie where she's, she's reading a tomb. Maybe she goes, have I become some kind of tomb raider like Walton Goggins? (laughs) Like, you could pull more from the Tomb Raider games. Yeah. Because her dad's not in the games. The, the, she's not the, – the, this Lou Ren guy's not in the games. In the games, she's got like a ragtag team of other people her age that she's going hunting for stuff with. Put that in the movie. Like even those – I thought that's what the characters from the beginning of the movie were going to be. Yeah, for sure. The 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 girl who is there, or the woman who is there, kind of laughing at her for losing the MMA fight at the beginning of the movie? I thought she would be in more of the movie. It would have been nice. She wasn't. Yeah. Alright, so are are we done here? Are we done with, uh, with Tomb Raider 2018? Yeah, I think we're done here. Wanted it to be better. Would have been nice to have a decent one. Here, here's my question, Matt. Would have been nice. We've got two. We're at a crossroads. Correct. Yes. A fork. See you at the crossroads. Yeah. Gonna miss everybody. Gonna miss everybody. I miss my uncle Charles. <laughs> um, we could, and this is just off the top of my head. We have not picked a movie for February. We have not. We could watch Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life. We could. We could go back to the original. We could go back to the OG series. The a- the AJ series. <laughs> Or we could kind of continue with reboots, and we could watch that Mummy movie. The Mummy movie. The second shot at starting the Dark Universe. The Mummy movie is on HBO also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also on HBO currently is the Jackie Chan, Steve Coogan, Around the World in 80 Days, a movie we wanted to do for Chan for the summer, but could not do because it got taken down off of Netflix. Yes. If you have a preference between those movies, the 2017 Mummy movie or Around the World in 80 Days, let us know on our Tumblr or on Twitter. Our Tumblr is moviefighterscast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter as Chris is the ISB, and I'm the Matt D. Wilson. It's a bad website. It's a bad website, but you can let us know. Yep. And then that's the movie we'll do for February. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. We'll, We'll do it together. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. Our music is by Michael Kill. The Snack Situation theme is by Matt Fisher.
We will be back in February with one of those movies, or maybe something totally different. Until then, thanks for joining us, everybody. Keep your dukes up. I'm trying something out. Taglines. 2019 taglines. We're going we're gonna to get a new one. Bye, everybody. We love you. Media production. Hi, welcome to this subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.